And what's up? Friday, GC Live. He is Chris. I am Wes. And man, do we have a lot to get to today. Media day yesterday, first practice today. Chris and I were out there. We we braved the weather for you. Light rain this morning. Um, but practice underway. First, very first preseason practice of the Shane Beamer era. We were out there for, I think, about five segments of the practice plus the stretching. So just enough for us to overanalyze everything that we saw this morning. So we're going to have some practice observations. We'll take your questions. I'll go ahead and warn you, though, we're, we're going to get a ton of questions, I'm sure, especially for people who missed the intro. How did this guy look? How did that guy look? Um, what did this newcomer do? Um, frankly, we're going to tell you kind of a combination of things we've heard leading into preseason camp. And really, you're talking about eyeball test, movement, you know, how – how does a guy move? How big is he? Does he look fluid? Has a guy has a guy gained weight, uh, lost weight, depth chart stuff? We can get into all that. As far as like one versus one, that those days are over. I think at least for now, as far as college football goes. So we're gonna get all, into all that. But first, got to tell you about our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com. 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint. Good friend of mine hit me up actually two days ago. She's about to buy a house. She said, hey, don't you have a mortgage guy? I said, I do. I said, call Clint Hammond. He's the man. He'll take care of you just like he took care of me. So, uh, yeah, if you want to maybe save some money, great time to refinance. If you're trying to sell your house, trying to buy a house, hit up Clint. You're going to need a new mortgage. Check him out. He'll take care of you. And, man, I'm telling you, by the way, the folks at StreamYard, by the way, which is who does our streaming, really great service. But good grief, they have completely rearranged uh, how things look behind the scenes over here on the uh, the stuff I clicked to get to the graphics. So I'm sitting here as I'm talking. I'm flying through these graphics trying to find what I need to pop up on the screen. And finally, there I see Clint's, I was about to say smiling face. I guess he's not really smiling a whole lot, but... His NMLS number is 71597. I'm told we have to say that. C. Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com. Chris, practice. We're out there. Um, we got a lot to overanalyze. But first of all, I'm going to invite everybody. Go to our YouTube page. We got a ton of videos from Media Day yesterday. Uh, we got some sights and sounds from Media Day. Uh, Chris and I hopped on the camera this morning as well to talk a bit about practice with some quick hitters. And uh, I understand we're going to have some sights and sounds from practice from Kendall Smith, our new intern, coming up a little bit later on as well. But, um, dude, I was just glad to be back out there first and foremost. It, it is. It, it doesn't seem like that long ago that uh, we were at spring ball, uh, but it has been a long enough layoff. I would be fine with year-round football, to be honest with you, Wes. So great to be back out there. Weather wasn't great. Don't know why that was. I don't think it's an omen. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But it was nice to be back out there and a little bit of an extended stay for us today at practice because we got to see five periods. We're more accustomed to first three, stretch and first three is what we kind of become accustomed to over the last few years. Um, and I think that's what we got. You know, that's that's what we've been getting, basically. So we got to see five, got to see a little bit more. There was still spe- we always joke about seeing stretch and special teams. We got to see a little bit more than just some special teams today. So that was good. Of course, didn't see full team and the team's not in pads yet. So still early in practice, but definitely good to be back out there. 
And there were a few things to take away, even from day one in that short span. So, Chris, I think um, I think we got to start with Marshawn Lloyd, man. I, I was thinking about this, you know, what's noteworthy, what's not. Um, you know, for, first of all, I guess as far as today goes, we, we knew Marshawn Lloyd was going to be back out there. It was expected. Um, you know, I, I frankly think probably by the end of last, like by the end of the spring, he maybe could have gotten out there and, and done a, a little bit more than he even did, it, it sounded like. But you never want to push that. There's no point at all to potentially get him hurt in spring practice. But, man, to, to see him back out there, we all know what he went through. We all know what just the – you listen to the kid talk, man. It's really hard not to pull for a guy like Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, you know, he was available at the the thing on Thursday, and he said, look, I you know, I, I don't have that mental block anymore. Don't even think about it when I'm running. And, uh, you know, as far as the, the knee injury goes, that that's a big part of the process for guys. And, you know, ho- hopefully when he's actually getting hit for his sake, that will be the same case, that there won't be that sort of mental carryover there. But, man – I think even though it was expected, it's at least noteworthy for our fans out there who are, are watching or listening to report, hey, Marshawn was out there. He was in a full garnet jersey, no you know, no blue jersey, which I, I guess is what they're using now for, for the guys that are hurt. Um, Mar- Marshawn Lloyd is back. And, you know, we, we've talked about it on here, man. I, I don't know if Marshawn's been talked about quite enough uh, from the people outside of South Carolina. Um, he, he's, uh, I think he projects to be everything that he projected to be this time last year. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't, you know, caveat disclaimer, whatever you want to call it. We, we didn't get to see him again, carrying the ball in some full team period because a, we didn't see that B they're not even in pad yet. So, but what you are going off of is he's out there. He's full go. Like you said, Wes, not wearing blue jersey, not standing around, not limited. He's he's going. And, you know, I, heck, I saw Shane Beamer giving Marshawn, you know, could hear it from across the field. Yeah, Marshawn, you know, because he was, you know, praising his effort, Shane Beamer was, uh, in a special teams drill. So he looked quick. He, he looked ready to go. And that was kind of – that was great to see, you know, because this is a really awesome kid. Everybody from the day he stepped on campus – last year really raved about him not only his talent but the kind of guy he is and so there was no doubt and I think I said this on our show yesterday I was gonna say Wednesday but yesterday that you know this is it was no surprise that he attacked his rehab got it done and he he looks really good so we are uh assuming nothing else happens which is a game game of football you never know on track to see Marshawn Lloyd's first collegiate carry, which has been a long time coming. It, feel, it feels like he's been on the roster for three years, and it's been it's been one year. I think last year was just long, and then no Marshawn Lloyd in spring ball. So just highly anticipated for him to get his first carry and on track to do that and expecting good things from him. Yeah, no doubt, man. I was trying to get it. Let's see. There it is. That is uh, Marshawn Lloyd today taking a carry in practice from, uh, I guess that's Jason Brown. So, yeah, Marshawn Lloyd is back. The The news, not not awful, but also not quite as positive as far as some other guys we found out on Thursday, Chris. You know, we, we, had, heard, um, we had heard this rumor, um, you know, about Kevin Harris uh, for a while, and uh, Beamer did confirm it that he had a, a minor back procedure 
and that he's out right now. I, you know, I, I actually think the the little clip there from Beamer where he said uh, that that Kevin was basically begging Clint Haggard to to clear him for practice. That's probably a positive sign that that maybe that thing um, isn't isn't as bad as maybe some of the rumors that were floating out there at one point, Chris. And you know, I, I think he's a kid that has already proved that he really heals very quickly, at least in some past situations where he where he's been banged up. But but yeah, as far as injuries go, the first really official injury report of the year was released on Thursday. Harris out for now, expected back for September 4th. Cam Smith was the one for me that kind of came out of nowhere. I had not heard that. Uh, stepped wrong, I, I assume, hurt his foot. He's out right now. Will be back, uh, projected to be back by September 4th as well. There are some other guys, uh, you know, Bam Scott. We, we actually saw he was dressed today but was limited in some things he did. He's the junior college kid that, that just arrived not too long ago. But, um, yeah, that to me that's the two big ones as far as, like, projected starters. Kevin Harris, Cam Smith, as was suspected, they were not out there as far as full going practice. Yeah, and when you look at Harris, obviously a guy that has proven it on the field. Uh, a very productive player. Like you said, Wes, I mean, the healing of that injury, you remember, I mean, I'm going to give the description because that's how it was described to us, but basically he, he tore a muscle like off of his pubic bone uh, as well as what it was and came back a lot quicker than everybody thought. And I, I can't even think about that injury uh, without shuddering, but uh, got back. Uh, now he's had throughout his career, we'll say you know, he's had some, Sometimes where he's been banged up and battled some small things. He's largely battled through them and or, like you said, Wes, healed up from them. And so hopefully that's the case here. Shane Beamer, as you said earlier, indicates he's, he's expected, fully expected to be, you know, good to go for the opener, which is obviously a positive. Um, I think the one the one thing you look at in this situation is with the staff changeover, you've obviously got a new scheme. And so Harris, you know, missed some time in the spring as well. It is good for any player, even even if we're talking about juniors or seniors here, to get reps, mental and physical, in this new scheme, right? Because is there going to be some carryover in some of the run concepts and things like that? Yeah, I mean, there, there will be. But it is helpful, you know, to be able to – any reps you can get in this new offense, it's going to be a good thing. So, uh, now that said, talented kid, you wouldn't expect that to set him back a ton. But it is something I think you can consider. You know, Cam Smith is a guy that – Obviously, it's it's very nice, very important for South Carolina that this is not something right now that is expected to be serious. We know that they've got to stay healthy as a team overall, but particularly at some critical spots. DB is one of those critical spots. You can't afford to lose a guy like Cam Smith, who's probably going to be one of your starters. I mean, that's a guy that you really need. And so, um, you know, he, he's down for a while. Obviously, you'd like to have him out there to continue progressing, too. He's still a young player going into his second year playing ball on the field, got kind of a taste of it last season and a guy that you're really counting on this year. So the sooner you get him back, obviously the better. So let's go into actual practice now. Any observations, any thoughts we have? Uh, Chris, I'll I'll let you expound, but I already know you're going to go with it. So uh, Karan Prani, man, I mean, again, I don't think we can call it a surprise because we – Shoot, man, people that read Gamecock Central, it was before he even committed to South Carolina that I think we were already saying, look, 
if South Carolina gets this kid, he's probably a starter, right? Like you, yeah. you know, and you never, you always have that caveat. Guys have to earn it, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're projecting out the opportunity here plus the ability with Bronny, it was pretty clear. If South Carolina gets this guy, you know, they even said, I, I believe it was at SEC Media Day where Beamer was asked about Prunny, and he essentially was like, look, we, we actually felt okay about our numbers at, by then, but it was just this kid was too good to turn down. Like, he had to be a priority for South Carolina when they realized they had a shot at him. I, I still believe probably one of the best gets of the Beamer era so far when you look at the need there, the ability to come right in and play. Um, you know, to be available for this season as opposed to the next season, which is what most of the guys you're recruiting right now are going to be available next season. Um, but Prunny, as we reported, as we said on Gamecock Central, out there with the first team, like you said, the fact Cam Smith wasn't out there, that took away a little bit of the drama there. Still not a, not a surprise at all for Prunny to be there. You maybe could have made a case if Cam was out there that he could have been second team. But I, I think that uh, – that just sort of confirms everything we kind of thought going into this thing. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, some of the stuff, Not while no coach, whether it's Shane Beamer, Torian Gray, Clayton White, none of them have come out and said, Karan Prani is going to be a starter for us. And there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't say that. But there have been some things that can kind of lead you to that conclusion, you know, at least before preseason. So if he is everything that they believe he could be, given their situation in the secondary in which there's, there's not really a lot, a lot, you know, locked in. There might be one or two guys that might have a spot kind of locked in, in the secondary guys with experience, you know, that are coming back. Uh, but other than that, there, there's openings and Karan Prony is, it's one thing, look, Wes, if this is a guy that you really think highly of coming out of high school, it's still somewhat of a projection because then you're moving a guy into a college game. There are a lot of variables, a lot of factors there. This is a guy that has proven production at the college level, albeit just one year, right? It's not the same as if J.C. Horn decided to come back this year. There is a difference. I don't want to put that on Karan Prony, but it is at least a guy who has a year of impactful college experience and has shown that his talent level projects to college. And so uh, you, you have that in your back pocket if you're South Carolina and you bring him in. And again, full, fully expect that. I, I can't remember which coach it was, if it was Torian Gray or Beamer or Clayton White, but one of them at one point said, hey, Karan Prunny and Cam Smith have a, have a chance to be a really good duo for us. So saying things like that and what Beamer said, what Torian Gray said on Thursday at Media Day, just about Karan's poten- potential to be a playmaker for them, you kind of add all that together. Not, again, not a surprise that he's out there with the ones on day one, and I think he's got a great chance to hold on to that status. So, Chris, uh, other guys or, or other things that, that caught your attention, um, we mentioned in the quick hitters video, uh, TJ Sanders. You know, this is the kid, you know, with, with newcomers, it's always kind of, again, we're talking off the hoof, so to speak, look test, eyeball test, how do they move in space, you're not seeing the, the complete picture. We're not even seeing, uh, you know, like the Oklahoma drill or anything remotely similar to it out there. So you have to sort of um, project a little bit. But, man, I, I thought just physically the, the kid looked great. And, I, dude, I think Nick Barrett, going back to – he was a guy that was already here in the spring. We already had heard some pretty good buzz about Nick Barrett. That continued this offseason. 
Nick looks the part. You know, if you want to glance into the future down the road, you know, is it possible TJ Sanders is a starting three technique defensive tackle for South Carolina and Nick Barrett is your starting sort of like nose guard or one tech, you know, holding up guys in the middle. I don't think that's a far-fetched thing at all. Like, I, I think early on you're sort of tr- trying to figure out, okay, are these guys hits or misses in the recruiting process? And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to know, but I think those two guys, just based on what we hear, are already trending towards the hit side of things. Um, I put eyes on Colby Fields in person for the first time. Pretty, actually a pretty well-put-together kid. He, you know, I think he'll keep adding muscle, but – you could, he already has the definition of a kid who has been working hard. Um, Juju McDowell was getting some reps rotating in with the kickoff return team. I know you mentioned it uh, seemed like DeCarion Joyner may, may have the edge there early on just based on the way um, the coaches are talking. But, uh, yeah, we, we did get, I, I guess, an opportunity to, to put eyes on, on some of these new guys for the first time. Yeah, and, you know, going back to defensive tackles, the two freshmen with Barrett and Sanders – you know, we, we've written about them even before preseason, Wes, as being two guys that we've heard that, you know, that the staff had been very happy with as far as the returns, what they did in the summer. You know, Nick Barrett, as you said, uh, was able to go through spring. But in the summer program, T.J. Sanders was a summer enrollee, so it was his first time. Um, I mean, looks really good physically, can move. We knew from his basketball days he's pretty nimble on his feet. And also a guy that's kind of raw. Uh, just because he's inexperienced overall just as a football player, you know, on the field. But both those guys look the part. Uh, the staff, from what we understand, has been very happy with them. That doesn't mean, Wes, that just to clarify this, that they're going to make some huge impact this year because defensive tackle is an area where South Carolina's got s- some depth. I mean, they've got some guys back that have played. They've got some guys there that have talent. Got some guys there that have talent that have not shown it yet for a variety of reasons, you know. Uh, whether it's been injuries or just inexperience, whatever it may be. Uh, but those two guys, like you said, looking into the future, um, there's some there's some really nice early returns. I'll echo you on the other guys. I mean, I think Colby Fields, freshman linebacker, he was, I think, a little bit bigger even than I anticipated, but still obviously room to grow. Bam Scott didn't get to see him really move around, but uh, good length, good size, good height, a nice frame. Another one I'd mentioned west side of the newcomer group is Ladarian Craig. Um, you know, got a chance to look at him. He was working as a backup at corner, but he was a kid that had really good length, really good size. Uh, didn't get to you know formulate any opinion. Didn't get to see him move around or cover anybody for a long enough a period to, to know about that. But I was a late get for South Carolina in the recruiting process. Obviously, they needed some numbers at DB. But that's a guy that's got some athleticism and, and definitely looked the part in terms of his length at corner. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I didn't get to I, – I don't think I saw – you know, it's kind of – you have you have this short period of time and you're trying to look at as many people as possible, trying to see as many guys as possible. I don't think I saw Ladarian. I will say, like you said, though, man, Bam Scott. I always thought Bam Scott on film looked – you know, size-wise, he profiles – he is a linebacker. He's like a true, like – in-the-box type linebacker, not like an edge guy. But you watch him rush the, rush the passer on film, he does have a knack for getting to the quarterback. And so, I, you know, I always – that always stood out to me. And then I saw him in person. I was like, okay, I get it. He's just – he's one of those kids that has – he's taller than I expected. He has long arms. Um, generally, those guys with long arms have a knack for keeping offensive tackles off of them in, in a pass rush situation. 
So, you know, I, I can see that. I, I don't know if you're going to sit here and project him out and say, wow, that guy's a future buck. But I also think he is a guy, once he's ready, you know, there, there's going to be some pass rush juice there that I, I think South Carolina will, will probably be able to use in, in the future. Now, you know, Beamer said yesterday that he's still not completely cleared for, for everything. So, you know, is this a guy maybe plays down the road this season? Is this a guy maybe maybe even red shirts? Is a guy that plays four games? You know, you've got some options there. That's probably not – it's not a bad thing at all uh, moving forward. So, uh, this is a kid that was very highly regarded as a JUCO linebacker. It stuck out to me at the golf tournament. Clayton White was asked how how I'm trying to ask I'm trying to think exactly how he was asked. He was basically asked, uh, "Can a guy, or how hard a, how hard is it for a guy to come in at the last minute, like get in in August and play on this defense and like start, like be a dude?" And he said, "It's impossible." And we were all like. That, that's hardcore. Like, that's a hardcore answer. And, you know, then he sort of backed out. He's like, well, I shouldn't say impossible. I shouldn't have said that. But it, it's difficult. And, you know, Prunty obviously is going to do it because, hey, you have to. He's been here a couple of weeks at least, um, maybe two and a half weeks or so, to at least start getting on the sort of football shape side of things. Well, I think for a guy like Bam Scott, a guy like Isaiah Norris, who's – expected to be in uh, at some point by this weekend for those guys it probably is hard to step right in and for us to say we probably shouldn't say expect these guys to play right away that's probably not fair to them at all but I do think there's probably some talent with both of those guys that file them away in your brain later this year potentially or even just push it to next year maybe they are future contributors as opposed to right this second contributors. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, that's okay. Even for a guy that comes out and is, you know, a really highly ranked high school guy, like you don't give up on guys if they're not immediate contributors in year one. And you also have to consider the circumstances of it. Right. I mean, um, so th- these are, these are guys that are going to arrive late, you know, Bam Scott later arrival than originally hoped for but he is in, which is great. And now he has to wait to be cleared. You know, on one hand, I think you look at linebacker and I want to dive into that a little bit more West because I have a little bit more kind of piggybacking off what we talked about yesterday on Thursday, you know, there's openings there. Um, I don't know internally how, how great the staff feels just about linebacker overall. Like, you know, your defensive line, you feel good about in terms of your starters. How do you feel about linebacker? Probably not as good. I think the even bigger concern there is depth, you know. And so we, you know, we talked with Clayton White yesterday. You remember on our show on Thursday here, Wes, I kind of brought forth some of the statistics from last season from a couple games um, about how many snaps linebackers played. And I can't even remember if I mentioned the Ole Miss game. (laughs) I went and looked at that one later. I think Ernest Jones played like 86 snaps and Damani Saley played three. And that was it. Like that was it for that game. And so that's not ideal. So yes. So on Thursday afternoon, after we did the show at media day, I asked Clayton white about linebacker depth. Um, and I asked him about snap counts 
he kind of said that, hey, you know, I'm not necessarily tracking that during the game. How many snaps are we at as a team? Because there's so much stuff going on. But he said, in general, you know, the less you play, the better you're playing. He said that can go the other way. You know, if another team's scoring quickly, you know, then then you're not playing very well. But he, he typically wants to keep it, you know, the 60 range, the 70 range. That's more ideal. When you get up in the 80s, you become more uncomfortable. But applying that to kind of your linebacker depth, he said you really – you've got to have three guys you can count on. And he said ideally you've got four or five. He does want to rotate guys a little bit more if possible. And so a big part of that is finding guys that can play both spots for you uh, when you look at the Mike spot, the Will spot. Right now there's a few guys that can do that for him. He feels like Sherrod Green can do it. Brad Johnson can do it. Damani Staley can do it. He wants to keep bringing along, you know, your Mo Cabas and some of these other – Debo Williams. You know, he wants to bring along those guys as well. Um those are, I think, the five he mentioned. He mentioned Daryl Ware, too. That, that was another one. He's a guy that got some run last year, former walk-on from, from Fort Dorchester. But I say all that to illustrate the point of there's openings to, to be had in terms of linebacker depth, but it is going to be difficult for a guy like Bam Scott to come in and, and take that playing time away from some people that have been on campus longer and gotten more acclimated. Did, uh, did y'all talk about Debo much at all? We talked a little bit about Debo, not in depth. Um, he he kind of said that he wanted by the end of preseason to to feel like that Debo had kind of I don't want to misquote it or mi- misparaphrase it, but he wanted him to be comfortable with kind of maybe both positions. Even he, he seemed to want to bring him along more in that regard. But Debo Debo is working as a mic right now. Like that was kind of double confirmed. Of course, Brad Johnson's playing. Will Sherrod's playing. Mike linebacker, um, but he does want Debo to be able to come along and, and kind of master that Mike position. Debo, a guy, I, I don't know, man. I, I think as the year goes on, may, maybe he, you know, he was working with the second team today. That means he's already, he's already up there, right? Like he's already inserted himself to an extent. He's already in the mix. You know, I, I think he's a guy maybe as the, as preseason progresses or even maybe as the season progresses, um, starts pushing for, for more playing time, uh, potentially. So I, I'm, I'm always curious to sort of see what the progress is on him because I know he is also a guy that the the fan base has kind of latched on to a, a little bit because of, of his film coming in, the transfer from, uh, from Delaware. He's a guy that just people, I guess, gravitate to. So I, I think he'll be one to keep an eye on as practice yeah. continues. Chris, uh, I tell you, man, so I, I listened and watched Luke Doty speak yesterday at Media Day. And then, of course, uh, he was first team today, as expected. No surprises there. Again, we don't, I don't see that changing at all. But I couldn't help but think and notice just how different of a situation Luke Doty is in on August 6th, 2021, compared to August 6th, 2020. Uh, you know, he comes in last year, he's third team quarterback. Uh, you know, we start, I don't remember exactly when the news came out that he was playing receiver, you know, and, and rotating in there, but, but that happens, you know, we, we talked about him, I'm, I'm sure. And he was in the mix and we all, we had already, we'd already talked about, you know, this is a kid that, that does everything the right way off the field. And 
I don't want to make this sound like Luke himself has changed any because Luke's one of those guys. You're, he's going to be the same kid regardless. But there was a certain just calm confidence. Uh, he had a comfort level about him. as And he talked for a long time, answered every single question with some depth. You know, didn't just give you the, well, let me answer, you know, the, the Marshawn Lynch, let me just answer this so because I have to. Gave really thoughtful, drawn-out answers to pretty much everything anybody could throw at him. And then we see him out there today. He's always been a confident kid on the field. But it just it, – it stuck with me, the stark contrast between Luke a year ago and Luke now as far as where they are in this program, what's expected in this program. And, and even physically, man, he's always been a kid that you can tell works hard. But I, I think it's actually obvious that he's been in a college weight program now for, for a year plus, looking at him now compared to before. Definitely. I mean, as you're saying that, I can kind of visualize him as a high school junior, high school senior. You probably remember, Wes, the, uh, we, we, could really, we could really have some fun. You want to put up that freshman high school picture of Luke? <laughs> but, you know, thinking about him even as an older – high school player, junior, senior year to now, like you can just visualize even without looking at the pictures, the transformation, you know, getting bigger and stronger and more filled out and all those things, more mature, always been a mature kid, you know, emotionally, but just more physically mature. So, yeah, I mean, it is a deal where this looks like his offense, you know, and and his, he's going to be one of the leaders of this team. He's always had those traits. Now that's kind of, that's kind of manifesting itself, right, in this team. And and it, he he is a confident kid. It is different. You're right. And so one thing that we know, man, is that this season's not going to go by with, you know, with people wondering what things may look like with more Luke Doty on the field. We're going to see plenty of Luke Doty on the field. Remember last year it was whether it was playing Luke at quarterback or, you know, we were even told at times Luke's going to help this football team wherever he may be, even when he was playing some receiver. And that didn't, you know, it didn't really happen. Um, and, and we don't have to go back and relitigate that. Uh, but that's kind of what happened. It just it just never came to fruition. Now it's going to. This, this is his team. And we're going to see plenty of Luke Doty this year. Wes, I know you probably got some more, you know, thoughts on Luke, some more discussion. I want to make sure we talk about Colton Gothier too a little bit because is this a good time to do that or should we somehow segue? So yesterday, something that stood out to me, listening to a little bit of Marcus Satterfield, I didn't spend a lot of time over in his area yesterday, but offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield was talking about quarterbacks and kind of what they put on their guys. Wasn't asked about anybody specific, Luke or Colton or Jason Brown, anybody. He just he he gave an answer to the question, and then on his own, he said, he said, shoot, with Colton, even, he said, Colton's doing things right now, um, executing things at the line of scrimmage as far as making calls and checks that NFL quarterbacks are doing. He said, now we're not executing them like that, like an NFL quarterback, but he's doing those things at the line. And, and I thought that was telling – Maybe he picked Colton because Colton is the only true freshman on the roster, right? Like that might have been part of it. But we know, Wes, that Marcus Satterfield has been really impressed with Colton Gothier since he enrolled in the spring. The arm talent, the maturity, uh, how he's picked up the playbook. 
this is a pretty extensive playbook. There are a lot of NFL type concepts in it. And so I thought it was pretty telling, you know, that he has continued on that path. And I think Wes, again, we didn't see the quarterback pecking order today, but based on spring is still Colton Gothier's number two. He's going to have a solid chance of holding on to that status. I think throughout preseason. Well, let me just say this. I didn't see Colton Gothier make a single mistake today, Chris. <laughs> That's right. Nobody did. <laughs> exactly. Well, we did see uh, somebody drop a pass uh, or some or some kind of ball. I did. Yes, I did. Yes, when they yes. were doing swing route. We're not going to name – we're not going to call them out. No, we're not going to do it. No. That would be unfair. But, yeah, yeah man, dude, I, I think, you know, Colton was one of those guys you look around and rivals, shout out, rivals had him as a four-star, but he wasn't – you know, he was not a four-star all around the different networks. And, you know, South Carolina landed him. I don't really feel like there was a sense when they got him because a lot of people, frankly, wanted to talk about Gunnar Stockton so much. There wasn't as much hype around South Carolina getting him as there usually would be around a quarterback that has a four, that has four stars by his name. So, every, but every, Point being, ever since this kid has arrived in Columbia, we've heard very solid reports. And there's also just a little, I don't know, man, There, there's an it factor about this kid, a little swagger about this kid. Uh, you know, he plays guitar. He's like a multi-talented dude, great personality. We um, he, he continued our trend. I believe we've had, we've had South Carolina's quarterback signee on a show of some kind, be it uh, our, our recruiting special 107.5 or on GC Live this past year. Colton was on there with us the last three or four years in a row. We've had that. But, dude, he I thought personality-wise, this is the type of kid that people can get behind. Um, this is clearly Luke's team right now, but I you've got to like what you've heard about Colton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you do, and and I think just there have been multiple people, you know, very familiar with the program and kind of what goes on within it that have told us things about Colton that are very positive, whether it's his physical traits or just how he's picked up things. You kind of put both of those together. This is a guy that's got serious potential as a passer. You look, at, I mean, he's a big kid. He's got athleticism. Is is he going to be as you know as athletic, fast out of the pocket as Luke? No, not many people are. But he he has athleticism to where he can run, he can scramble, he certainly can make the throws. Um, physically, already pretty developed, and mentally, you know that's been the thing. Not that I'd heard anything otherwise, but that's always a question: How are guys going to adjust to the college game? This is someone that I think at high school, West, what he, he had three or diff, three or four different offensive coordinators, basically one a year at the high school level and adjusted and, and played well each year. You know, now he gets into this Marcus Satterfield offense that's not simplistic by any means. Um, and he's picked it up extremely well. And now to his benefit, he was able to go through spring, but he really took it and ran. It's not like he was exited spring number three or number four on the quarterback depth chart because he's still learning. He's still picking up things. Is he still learning for sure? Um, but he was able to really, you know, take advantage of that opportunity and put himself in a nice position. Yeah, man. So uh, let's see, Chris, 
who else who else have we not talked about that we need to get to um let's tell let's talk o-line a little bit man i i was sort of a little bit surprised listening to greg atkins talk yesterday and um josh kendall had asked him a question he said i i think where he was going with this was why do d-line coaches all want to rotate their guys and offensive line coaches do not. And Atkins sort of cut cut off the question and said, well, I, I, do, I will rotate my guys. I do rotate my guys. And he, he said at Marshall, he had nine dudes that he felt like could play. And most games, nine guys played. That that's a that's a little bit it's a little bit unorthodox, right? Like it's a little bit different, at least than what we've seen around here for as long as I can remember. Again, I've said this before. I can't speak to other teams' personnel rotations because I don't pay enough attention to it because I don't know their rosters well enough. For the most part, you know, you play your five guys, I think. And he, you know, he mentioned he mentioned how many guys here he feels like are, are ready. And it really, it wasn't, I, I think ultimately he landed on maybe saying six guys he felt like right now, you know, he felt pretty good about, but said there were maybe three more that could go in that category. Um, I, I thought that was interesting. He also said, basically, if you have a six guy, you you find a spot for him in order to involve him. What What exactly does that look like? Do you make him a goal line tight end as like that extra blocker? Um, you know, are there situations that where this guy does something very well and you get him in the game? I thought it was an interesting philosophy, though, as far as, hey, if this guy has put himself in a position where I, in this case, the offensive line coach, feel like he's earned a chance to play, we're not going to not play him just because a guy may be a little bit ahead of him it seems like we could potentially see more of a rotation on the offensive front than we have seen in the past if these guys have all earned a spot. Yeah, and, and that will be interesting. It was definitely an interesting comment and philosophy for Adkins. I have to go back and dive into that a little bit more and kind of look at how many snaps, maybe what his splits were at Marshall with playing some of those guys would be something interesting to go back and look at. But you're right. I mean, it's not something we're accustomed to seeing around here recently. You know, just kind of thinking back off the top of my head, the, the first thing that popped in my, in my mind was that Steve Spurrier, you know, didn't seem to rotate guys a lot when he was the coach unless he just pulled a guy because he was mad at him. That that was, that was something that sometimes happened. But trying to think back to, you know, Sean Elliott, Eric Wolford, um, his two different stints at South Carolina, didn't seem to rotate guys a lot, right? There, there wasn't a ton of that. There were some games in which the five guys that started went the distance. A lot of, you know, sometimes they had a six offensive lineman that would factor in in packages. Sometimes a guy got banged up. Somebody else would come in for that guy or you shift somebody around. But as far as pure rotation, hadn't seen a lot of that. Um, I do know, you know, South Carolina's in-state rival, Clemson, they actually rotate on the offensive line some. That They actually do start some guys, and they rotate more than most teams that you see. But it's, it, I think in general, Wes, you don't see as much rotation up front, but South Carolina may be poised to do a little bit more of it this year. Yeah, just I thought, I thought that was interesting. And Atkins obviously being a guy 
Chris, that he's seen a lot of ball. He's coached a ton of ball in his day at, at many different places. And that's sort of how the spot he's settled on or the approach that he has settled on taking there. Um, tell you, man, a, a kid that I, I really enjoyed talking to yesterday, EJ Jenkins. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've talked up these tight ends for, for a while. And, and for one, man, can you imagine being a fly on the wall in the tight end room with this, with this bunch? I mean, we, we, we've been around Nick Muse a little bit. Funny, funny dude. Hilarious dude. So what, what you see is what you get. The Nick that you see in media settings, that's Nick Muse, like, to a T. Uh, you got Jaheim Bell, funny guy. By the way, the, the Jaheim Bell and Zaquandre White show, more of those on the way, Jaheim told me. So that's cool. Then, dude, EJ Jenkins talking to him. This guy is low-key hilarious. Like one of those people that you're like, you don't know where the line is between them being dead serious and them just completely trolling you and messing with you because they're because you 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 made the comment it looked like y'all were having a serious conversation over there. I'm like, no, like dude is just hilarious. So I'm, I'm gonna post that video probably at some point today. But EJ is still listed as a wide receiver, and he keeps lining up at tight end. He was asked, what, what position are you? Well, I'm both. Um, well, what? Apparently, he told David Conjure. David said, what's your split? He said, 50-50. So, he's, he's not giving it away. But he, he's in the tight end room, as far as we all know. Yeah. He's a tight end for the most part, I think. But I'm, I'm starting to buy into the EJ Jenkins hype. Like, I'm, I'm ready to see – what this guy does on the field for South Carolina. And man, if we're doing our jobs, we've got to we've got to highlight this kid enough to where he can get a cream of wheat sponsorship on an NIL deal. Because we, we talked I don't know if y'all remember back when he first arrived, there's this clip that comes out, probably from Justin King and that crew. And he, they were trying to like introduce you to the new guys. My man said he loves some cream of wheat. So I asked him, I was like, dude, so, you, you know, you're trolling everybody with that. Like, do you really eat cream of wheat like you say? He's like, man, he's like, I'll go home. And he goes like this with his massive hands. He's like, I will eat three bowls a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner of cream of wheat. And I'm like, first of all, I've never, I've never heard anyone say that sentence in my life. Second of all, NIL, like, hello, like, what? what is the uh, – what's, what's the grits company? I'm sure they Quaker have – Quaker Oats or something. Yeah, Quaker Oats, like, what are y'all doing? Sign this kid up. Um, yes. Anyway, on the field, I'm interested to see what this kid does. Yeah, and, and I think that relates to something else that Marcus Satterfield was talking about yesterday, and Greg Atkins talked about it too. And that was, you know, they're not really pigeonholed in this offense – Greg Atkins went as far as to say, he said, you know, I think COVID helped a lot of coaches because it helped them kind of break out of some of the traditionalism, maybe in their offense. And he said, you kind of were forced to adapt your scheme to your personnel even more. And that's something that we know from hearing him talk and Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator talk, Shane Beamer, they want to take the strengths of this team right now and kind of build around that part of it. Necessity. Sure. 
But one of the things that Satterfield said that stood out to me was that they've got some guys that have some different unique types of skill sets that they can use to their advantage to potentially make it tougher on defensive coordinators. Um, now, obviously, EJ is one of those, a wide receiver by trade who, you know, is, is in the tight end room now but can play either. Uh, Jaheim Bell is another one of those guys. We talked about him on yesterday's show, Wes, all the different things he can do for you. So if you trot out, you know, if you break the huddle or come off the sideline with Muse and Jenkins and Bell, you know, the other team, their entire defensive staff, they're going to be looking at what kind of personnel you're in. They're going to be looking to call that out and trying to get an idea very quickly of what you're going to call. When you send those guys out, what are what are you in? You know, what personnel are you in? What are you basing your call off of? It's not as easy to do that until you see the formation. Then you've maybe got some some room to adjust and shift some things and move it around, make those guys more difficult to count. So um, EJ is one of those guys. And so tight end, yeah, traditional tight end, not really. And so he he's obviously with his size, his hands, he's going to be able to do be a potential, you know, matchup problem for South Carolina against some other teams. By the way, shout out to Kendall, our new intern there. Apparently she's joined the show here, Chris. She says 10 out of 10 coverage. Appreciate that, Kendall. Y'all go check out her. She's got what? Two videos up, about to be three on our YouTube page. If you're not subscribed to us on there, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. Chris, uh, we haven't talked about the show or I keep saying the show. You keep saying the show, and you're putting that in my head. The party. Party. We have not yeah, talked about the party. I messed up a lot. August 20th. That is two weeks from today. Two weeks yes. from right now, we better have this thing ready to roll, or we're going to have to leave town. So VIP tickets are on sale. Still some available. Go ahead and get them before they're out, and I really, really hope that we see y'all out there. By the way, there's been – I don't know if you would say confusion, man, but we did have a couple questions. If you come out there for free, you're still – you're getting a concert. Mm-hmm. You're getting the event for free. You have to pay for your own food. You have to pay for your own beer. But if you come out there, you're still getting all that. We're not, we're not out there trying to, like, make a bunch of money off of everybody. Frankly, we're trying to break even on that side. But the VIP does add a little extra perk, such as getting to hang out with Chris Clark. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Hopefully that's not a detraction to other people. No, but we seriously, we'll be hanging out. We're going to try to hang out everywhere. We got a lot of people to see and meet and all those things. We'll be over in the VIP area a lot. Special guests, probably in the VIP area a lot. Four drink tickets, which is, a good, you know, that's worth a good bet when you start adding that up in your head, free subscription time to Gamecock Central, uh, light appetizers, private tented area, private bar. So a lot of great stuff. So check out the link that Wes just dropped over there in the descriptions or in the comments, rather, of YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. And make sure you get your VIP ticket. If you, if you can't get a VIP ticket or don't want one for whatever reason, please still come on out. This is for all Gamecock fans. We just want you guys to be there. And it's going to be a great night, I think. Lots of planning's gone into it. We're working hard trying to make it a great night. And we need y'all there to help us make it a great night. Yeah, and uh, music from Patrick Davis, always a favorite with South Carolina fans. He'll put on a great show. Um, former player, Roundtable. 
don't I still don't have an exact list of who's going to be a part of the roundtable. So I don't want to promise things right there, Chris, and, and it, it not work out. So that's why we've waited to give that away. But uh, we're going to have some folks that are involved at South Carolina come speak as well, talk to you a little bit. And uh, I do have confirmation that our good buddies Preston Thorne and Langston Moore, we've never had Langston on our podcast. We've had Preston on the podcast a couple of times. Preston wears many hats, and he's on 107.5. They also have their books, uh, the whole Just the Chicken series. They will be out there, Chris. Right now it looks like they will be out there to meet fans, to sign books, to um, – to sell some books, maybe hopefully for them, and they're going to talk on. They're going to give sort of a little presentation on the stage, and it looks like I believe Preston's probably going to MC our roundtable. Is what the discussion has looked like. So uh, our roundtable of former players. So that that'd be cool. Uh, hopefully, this is an event where there's something for everybody. You know, it's like if you're into this, we got this for you. If you're into that, we got that for you. Lots of different things. It's going to be fun, y'all. So come out. If you want VIP, go VIP. If you don't, don't. Just come out anyway. But chances are, once you start eating food and drinking your drinks out there, you may spend close to what the VIP is anyway. So you might as well just go ahead and and lock down uh, a spot in the VIP area. Yeah, that's a great point. Travis says VIP is paying for the things you're already paying for. That's what you said, Wes. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. What you don't want to happen is to get to the party and say, oh, man, I really should have gone VIP. You know, now you may get to the party and say, "Ah, I'm fine where I'm at. Lots of people do that. And that's awesome. Um, But whether you want, like I said, whether you want to come and just enjoy the show and get your own stuff, that's fantastic. But VIP is definitely going to be really cool as well. No doubt. All right. So that's going to do it. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We've enjoyed it. Uh, jam-packed show. Hope you, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. I think we've hit it all, man. So until Monday, y'all have a great weekend. Hopefully you got better weather where you're at than we do right now in Columbia. And uh, get your Gamecock football questions in. Save them. We'll talk about them on Monday, and we'll see you then.